five, four, three, two, one, zero. All engine running. Liftoff. We have a liftoff. That was the uh, great average white band. The average white band. From 1977 in uh, Montreux, Switzerland, where clearly racism was at an all-time high. I mean, did you check out the band? They're all wearing white. Except for the guitar player. I don't know what the drummer and the and the conga player were wearing. I couldn't see, especially with the drummer, but an absolutely great tune. Average white band. I got work to do. Called a show. So a little uh, background story on the average white band. I guess they're still touring. Wow, how about that? Where are they touring? Well, what do you know? Ladies and gentlemen, if you want to see whatever version of the average white band there is, and you're in Virginia Beach this Friday, today's the 6th, this Friday, at uh, the Jazz Legacy Foundation Summer Jazz Festival in Virginia Beach. Hello, Beverly. And then on the 24th of June, uh, for all you West Coasties, they'll be at the uh, San Diego Smooth Jazz Festival. How about that? Let's see. Who else is at the... Uh... Uh, look at this. The Summer Jazz Fest of Virginia Beach at the Convention Center. We'll also have Cameo, Word Up, in Lakeside. The only, the only band that's not there that should be there is Shalimar. Because Cameo, Lakeside, and Shalimar all used to tour together. And then at the San Diego Smooth Jazz Fest, who are you going to find there? You're going to find, let's see. Well, the average white band is going to be there. View Festival. Let's see who's at the San Diego Smooth Jazz Fest. Eric Darius, Richard Elliott, Rick Braun, uh, Michael Lington, Damian Escobar, and then the average white band. How about that? Uh, they'll be at the uh, City Winery in New York on August 18th. All Things Music Festival in Woodstown, New Jersey on August 
let's see, 18th in the city winery, 19th in New Jersey in Woodstown, November 3rd at Aretha's Jazz Cafe, Music Hall in Detroit. Uh, if you're in Ohio, their last U.S. date is November 4th at the Robbins Theater. And it's back over to the U.K. to close out their tour. They'll be playing Bex Hill on sea. On, on, uh, oh, they've already been there. This is it. They're wrapping up. My bad. They skipped the pond. Man, they've, they've been on tour since May 18th. And man, they're just stacking these dates. Anyway, if you like the, uh, the sounds of the average white band, go check them out. So they, uh, they, they're from Scotland. They're from Dundee, Scotland. And um, their peak was 74 to 80. Pick up the pieces. Uh, which is a pretty great tune. The The name of the band was initially uh, proposed by Bonnie Bramlett of Delaney and Bonnie fame. Um, and they have been sampled by the Beastie Boys and Public Enemy and TLC, the Beat Nuts, Too Short, Ice Cube, Eric B. and Rakim, Nas, A Tribe Called Quest, Christina Milan, and Arrested Development. So they, I guess they've made some sample money along the way they were formed in 1972 in london by alan gory and malcolm molly duncan with owen oney mcintyre michael rosen he's the trumpet player roger ball and the great robbie mcintosh joining them in the original lineup hamish stewart quickly replaced rose and duncan and ball affectionately known as the dundee horns studied at duncan of jordanstone college of art now part of the University of Dundee. Uh, let's see. But which at the time was part of the Dundee Institute of Art and Technology, now known as Aberley University, and were, previ were previously members of Mogul Thrash. That was named, that's a great name for a band. Mogul Thrash, are you kidding me? Somebody should have picked up on that name later. Uh, Gory and McIntyre have been members of Forevermore, McIntyre and McIntosh were used as session musicians on Chuck Berry's recording of My Ding-A-Ling. That was in the UK. Remember he had that big hit? According to Duncan, members of the band uh, had played together before in Scotland, but had moved to London separately and met up by chance at a traffic concert. They decided to jam together. A friend heard them and remarked, this is too much for the average white man, which became adapted as the name of the band. The band's breakthrough was a support slot at Eric Clapton's comeback concert, in 1973, MCA Records released their debut album, Show Your Hand, 1973, which sold poorly. Bruce McCaskill, who was Clapton's tour manager, liked the band's music and agreed to manage them. He borrowed money to take them to the U.S. and to promote them. McCaskill had many contacts from his days with Clapton and managed to get Atlantic Records to sign them. The band relocated to Los Angeles and released a follow-up, AWB, better known as the White Album. It reached number one and was the first of many with renowned producer Arif Martin. McIntosh died of a heroin overdose at a Los Angeles party on 23rd, September 1974. Gory also overdosed. Los Angeles will do that to you. 
Los Angeles will turn your motherfucking ass out. Uh, but Cher kept him conscious until medical help arrived. Oh, that's an interesting backstory. Hmm. Okay. The enemy reported in January 1975 that AWB played a benefit show for McIntosh's widow at the Marquis Club in London. McIntosh was replaced by Steve Ferrone, previously a Bloodstone, who'd replaced McIntosh before in Brian Auger's Oblivion Express. In 1975, the single, Pick Up the Pieces, taken from the number one AWB album, reached number one on the U.S. Billboard Hot 100 charts. The song knocked out Linda Ronstadt's You're No Good out of number one and sold over one million copies. It was awarded a gold disc by the RIAA. It also prompted the JBs, the backup band of The Godfather, sold James Brown to record and release a song reply Pick up the pieces one by one under the name AABB, the above average black band. <laughs> That's funny. It was both a tribute to AWB's knowledge of funk and a tongue in cheek play on the Scottish band's name. AWB followed with the LPs, Cut the Cake and Soul Searching, both big sellers and yielding further top 40 singles. Cut the Cake was dedicated. To, by the surviving band members to Macintosh's memory, a double live album, Person to Person, was issued in 1976. Their next LP, Benny and Us, was a collaboration with the famous soul singer, Ben E. King. How about that? Very interesting group. And they had a lot of lineup changes, but they're still around. Uh, the current members are Alan Gorey, Owen Orney, McIntyre, Fred Vidor, Rocky Bryant, Brent Carter, Rob Aries, and Cliff Lyons. So it looks like two of the uh, original guys are still in the band. Very interesting. Interesting group. The average white band. Well, I got work to do. Let's see who's in chat. Uh, let's see. We got Leela considering a trip to AZ after the October event. Cool. Here's my man, Michael Disco Inferno. Burn, baby, burn. That picture is absolutely revolting. This needs to be a no zone. Hmm. 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 Where's that viewer chat? Where's that viewer chat? Broadcast. Let me get into this. There we go. Work, 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 work. I'm working now. I'm moderating the chat. Uh, let's see. We got Mark M. What's going on? My astrological brother from another mother. Wendy says the beautiful one is here. Sony, the classy one. Uh, let's see. We got TJ, my man, Thomas. Good morning to you. Kelly B. Can Dylan just go away now? Uh, I had to make Dylan look horrid. I had to, I had to kind of horrify Dylan a little bit. 
I had to make Dylan a more grotesque caricature of what Dylan already is. What's happening, Hucklebuck? Mary Lee in the chat. Yeah. What's going on, Mary Lee? Uh, by the way, Mary Lee, we hope, is out of the uh, hospital. Give us some updates there, Mary Lee. Stinky Whistletooth. Well, hello, Stinky Whistletooth. Evangeline is here. Uh, let's see who else. User 13 in the house. SP Dimples checking in. From Europa, Harriet Bowie. Hey, uh, hey, uh, hey, uh. Hey, uh, I was watching, uh, what's that guy's name? Pete Sant Santanillo. You know, the, the, uh, the trust funder who travels all around the world. Actually travels mostly around the United States. Uh, I used to watch his videos and then he came out on the Ukraine thing and I unsubscribed to his channel, but he was, I, you know, his stuff still comes up on my feed. And he was out on the rest and he was with these uh, Navajo guys. And one of the, one of the guys in the truck that they were in, which I think was peach truck, by the way, that he was renting. Um, one of the guys he was out with had an AR 15. <laughs> so he's in the back seat and he's got the, he's strapped. He's got the AR 15. He's got his finger in good figure, finger control, right? Off the trigger. And I'm like, Oh, look, it's not just rednecks that own AR-15s. It's the guys on the res. Because when they go out, they got to be locked and loaded. Apparently, they're shapeshifters. And they said that if you could rub the bullets in ash, that you could actually wound a shapeshifter. But they have to be rubbed in ash. So for all of you people out there that are plagued by shapeshifters, I didn't say what kind of ash, but just rub your bullets in ash and uh, fire away at the shapeshifter. Uh, let's see. Yeah, looks like somebody beat me to the punch. Uh, who else do we have? Crossfire Cat. Bada bing, Wild Taco Tuesday times. Uh, Leela, you guys, some of the most loving, loving women, people in general are in this chat. I dig it. I dig it. Uh, Double B, Beth Berry's here. Thank you from, thank you, Robert, from Jan. Oh, thank you, Jan. Yeah, thank you. You got mom out on the front porch. She's hanging out this morning. This man, it's been a journey. I gotta, I gotta tell you. You know, I got the wrong camera on. Let me, let me adjust my camera. Give me one second here. Why isn't this camera being recognized? Hmm. There we go. How's that? That's better. It's a better fucking camera. Right? There it is. I like it. All right, cool. Let me just adjust my position. Yeah, so I tell you, it's been a really um, 
really wild ride with uh, with my mother. You know, getting her out here to Texas was. She's such. I tell you, she is such a trooper. This woman. You know, it's like you know. Today I was talking about the conjunct with the moon and Capricorn, and the sun in Gemini. And as I, I was, I was kind of going into it. I was like, yeah, you know, this is kind of what's going on with your mother. And um, you know, you'll just miss stuff if you if you aren't paying attention. And I'll throw myself into that that bucket and category. And she was so, she was so sweet this morning. You know, I got her out on the porch and uh, gave her coffee, and she's hanging out up there. And she says, um, "I'm going to have a better day today." I'm going to have uh, an attitude adjustment. I was just too negative yesterday. And, you know, I got to tip my cap, right? Self-awareness. And even when you're debilitated like that, there is this opportunity for self-awareness. And I was like, wow, okay, great. Well, let me, let me help you make it a better day, right? And I know it's going to be like an ocean and there's going to be you know waves and ups and downs but it's a very interesting part of the journey it's for damn sure uh let's see who else do we have is a big new brzezinski keep them consuming yes why is fran why is fran blacked out why is it hidden i don't know why uh let's see the Kakova Dam was blown up. Kiev, exact time on June 6th, Omaha Beach landing. Interesting. Very interesting. Disco almost spit coffee out. Heart that in an affected German accent. What's going on, D Tiffer? Good to see you. Yeah, happy to have you here live. Uh, let's see. Cringing my way through Yacht 2. Point. That is not Yacht. Sorry, that ain't yacht. Come on, baby, that's funk. That's some funk. That's not yacht. And there's some classics in the yacht catalog. All right, who else do we have? Uh, Monsoon. Hey, what's happening, Monsoon? Did not know they were from Scotland. Why are these comments being... Gotta unhide this comment. Uh, let's see. Anyone else in the Northeast get an air pollution warning today? Let's see. SP Dimples. Enjoyed all the Gemini lore on the Sunday show. My Gemini father and brother share the same birthday. Exactly. And I have a friend whose mom and sis have the same birthday as my brother. And father, crazy, right? Gemini shit is just whack with that stuff. It's just totally whack. I was looking at um, the star of the day for today, which I actually used yesterday's person, Lori Anderson. But one of the uh, interesting people today who was born today was um, ex-California governor, George Duke Majan, two-term governor, actually a pretty good governor. Uh, he got California's budget balanced. He was a kind of a no-nonsense guy. Duke Mason was what you would want out of a politician slash 
you know, administrator leader type boring. He was boring. He wasn't flashy. He was boring and he got the job done. He had work to do, but born on the same day was another famous um, Armenian, George Dukmasian being Armenian, Kirk Kerkorian. And they're born three years apart, but Kirk Kerkorian was not boring. <laughs> Kirk Kerkorian, who did he date? He dated like starlets and shit. Very rich, right? So you had these two very influential Armenians in California's history, both born on June 6th. So there's some Gemini, Gemini magic for you. Marie NYC, good morning to you. Average white band, they're touring. Love that song. Nice way to start the day. Yes, Terry. Yes, Terry. Terry gets it. Uh, let's see. We are settling in. Thank you. It's it's an interesting journey for sure. I've seen enough average white bands, so this one is not needed for me. They were above average. They were definitely above average. I could drive to Virginia Beach about three hours. Fran, you need to go. Take Take Beverly with you. You go do a roadie. I'd say take the Kremies, but I don't think they'd go. Hmm. Beverly's already there. You can go hang out with Beverly. I wonder if anyone will protest their performance. That's a good question. I think if they were the above average white band, they might protest them. Oh, Steve, you're killing me. The average racist white privilege band. <laughs> That is fucking hilarious. The average racist. And they can apologize after every song. I'm sorry. We're sorry. We're sorry. We'll try to not to be as funky on the next number. Okay. My cat is losing it. Okay. So Peachy has this thing going on with Max, the outside cat. And he was the one that beat her up, which is precipitated her coming into the house and so she knows he's outside and she found him like she can look out this uh, glass window here onto the porch so he got up on the porch and she got up on the um the ledge of the window on the inside and they're like batting at each other so now they've got this turf war going on between the window and the door and i, I think she likes the bad boys Peachy, you like the bad boys, don't you? Yes, you do. All right. Free for people of color reparations. They were big, bad. They average white band had some massive hits. Massive hits. Pick up the pieces. Yeah. Uh, let's see. Considering a trip, that's where we kind of started off. Then I rolled back. Guy, I travel log. Hello. How are you? We got wildfires in Canada. Oh, yeah, that's right. Uh, it's 6-6. Six, six. Tell us something good. Ooh, ooh. Yeah. I'll do my best. Uh, let's see. Who else do we have here? Anybody new? Anybody new? Um, we've had some good rain back here. My garden is kicking ass. Unlike last year. Wow, it was a tough garden year. Mr. Kia in the house. What's going on, Mr. Kia? Road Atlas. Took the plunge, just bought a schoolie. 
high vibe greeting right back at you, Road Atlas. I bought myself a Road Atlas. It's on the way. For sure. Past Lives Matter is here. You're going to make me cry. Oh, well, that's not my intent. But yeah, you know, it's a really interesting and poignant journey for sure. And um, we're getting we're getting through it. Thank you for all your uh, kind words and support. I appreciate that. So one of the things that I was doing is I was working on getting a, a, a prescription filled for my mother because we misplaced one of her prescriptions. So I was on the phone with uh, Kaiser Permanente, and they had this alert, and the alert was kind of alarming. And the alert was that they have a shortage of Ritalin and Adderall. There's a Ritalin, a fucking Ritalin and Adderall shortage. So when I hear that, of course, where does my head go? To the darkest place. And it's like, okay, now they're going to fuck with people who need Ritalin and Adderall just to get through. And there are people who need Ritalin and Adderall just to get through because they were diagnosed as being ADD or ADHD. And now, now they can't live without Ritalin or Adderall just to function normally, right? Could you imagine a bunch of people not having access to Ritalin or Adderall and how it would impact them? They'd lose their shit. They would absolutely lose their shit. This was just last week. Now, I don't know if the big shipment of Ritalin and Adderall came through, but what are the alternatives? See, this is this is the issue. This is this is what happened with um oxy, right? People were getting oxy, oxy, oxy. And then they weren't. So then what happened? Well, they hit the street and they got street oxy, but what did they get more than street? They got fentanyl because then now they couldn't get their Oxycontin because it addicted the fuck out of them. Right? So what are they gonna do with their pain? Consequently, I think the same thing could happen to people that can't get their Ritalin or Adderall. What are they going to do? They're going to go get meth. It is the closest street analog to the drug that they may or may not be getting because there's a shortage. And I'm like, okay, well, if you, this, this goes all the way back to two Fridays ago when Russ was on the show and we were talking about Jolly West. And one of his social engineering tricks was to control the flow of prescribed drugs. Right. So there would be a time where and we talked about this. We talked about the oxy effect and the fentanyl effect. Well, now we got the Ritalin and Adderall effect. And if you think, oh, man, if you think people are nuts now, just, just cut them off from their Adderall or Ritalin. And you, so first of all, you may have people that are just completely non-functional, right? Like can't get up, can't do anything not being able to sort of get up to speed, pardon the pun. So you'll have people that are not going to be productive. Yeah, that's right. 
people that aren't going to be productive. And then what happens? Well, maybe they don't wake up. Maybe they oversleep. Maybe they don't sleep. And then they oversleep, right? And then what happens? They can get fired. They could lose their jobs. Oh, isn't that convenient? Um, friend of the show, Lisa, sent me something today, which dovetails right into this. Uh, let's see. Let's see if I can find this. It's on my phone. It's not on my chat. So she sent me this this morning, and this gets right in. Oh, here it is right here. Um, it gets right into what we're talking about here. This is from Breitbart. And it's not too far afield from today's subject matter. So here we go. U.S. companies plan over 400,000 layoffs as Democrats claim business needs more foreign workers to hire. So that's a Main Street sign. Companies in the United States have announced so far this year more than 400,000 layoffs, more, more than the layoffs announced in all of last year. The job cuts come as Democrats on behalf of business special interests demand more foreign competition in the labor market for employers to hire. The employment data collected by Challenger Gray and Christmas Inc. and published in Bloomberg shows that roughly 417,500 layoffs have been announced from January through May by U.S. companies across sectors such as technology, banking, retail, and media, among others. Compared those announced layoffs in just the first five months of this year <clears throat> to the 364,000 total layoffs announced in all of 2022. In tech, there have been almost 140,000 layoffs announced this year so far. This is only slightly fewer than the 169,000 layoffs in tech in 2001. So, oh yeah, Feral Kid from Mad Max 2 is 48. I love that kid, his boomerang. We have one message, let them work. New York City Mayor Eric Adams told the Biden administration last month of thousands of migrants who have arrived in the city since last year. That is our clear message that we are sending. We must expedite work authorization for asylum seekers, not in the future, but now. New York Governor Kathy Hochul, crazy Kathy, issued similar statements or sentiments. At the same time, we have this historic labor shortage. We also have this unprecedented influx of individuals arriving in New York. All of them legally seeking asylum, Hockle said. They're eager to work. They want to work. They came here in search of work. In Washington, D.C., Democrats recently repeated many of the same talking points from the Business Roundtable and the U.S. Chamber of Commerce used to demand an endless flow of foreign workers whom jobless Americans would be forced to compete against. We're ignoring the Business Roundtable of America. We're crying out 
for employees to work alongside Americans. Representative Sheila Jackson Lee, probably your next mayor of Houston, said during a committee hearing last month, let me be very clear, we have jobs for Americans. We have tech jobs for Americans, teaching jobs for Americans, law enforcement, firefighter jobs for Americans, but we're a growing nation. You know how hard it is to become a fucking firefighter? It is not an easy job to get. Sorry, Sheila Jackson Lee, not an easy job to get. Law enforcement, really? Do Americans really want to do shitty law enforcement jobs where their lives are at risk, where, where they're merely just um, hall monitors, really, in a lot of ways? Do they really want those jobs? What about the tech jobs? Oh, we have tech jobs. Oh, those foreigners. Last time I checked, people from Pakistan, people from India, they're foreign workers. And guess what? They do tech. That's right. What else? Teaching jobs for Americans? Oh, yeah. Yeah, we have teaching jobs. And we know which Americans get those teaching jobs. It's typical drivel. As Breitbart News has chronicled, Biden has grown the U.S. payrolls by adding millions of foreign-born workers to the labor market, while the share of native-born Americans in the labor market has continued to decline. Oh, that pesky replacement society theory. It's just, uh, just a you know, tinfoil hat conspiracy theory. So this is what's happening, right, in this realm. This is what's happening. And uh, you think it's going to stop there? Well, these people need places to live. Eric Adams is already trying to get New Yorkers to take in the migrants. So he's asking now. Six months from now, he'll be telling. He'll be telling. No, there'll be an intermediate phase. They'll be like, well, you'll get a credit. You take somebody in, we'll give you a credit. We'll either give you a credit for your rent or we'll give you a tax credit, one of the two, right? We'll give you a credit. If, you, if that doesn't work and people won't take in the migrants, the credit goes away. You're taking them in. You had a chance. You had a chance. You could have taken them in and you could have had the credit, but now you don't get the credit. And now you're just going to have to take them in. It's your fault. This is coming, right? It's coming. And it starts with a trickle and then the faucet it's turned on and it's full blast. So, look, all you got to do is put the pieces together. You can see where all this is going, right? Meanwhile, on the other side, we have the weaponization of the American consumer, which I've talked about and we'll bring up here again, which is why I have the grotesquerie of Dylan Mulvaney as the thumbnail.
So you have all these Americans who are just sick to their stomach that their institutions are being corrupted, right? So they're not going to take it. We're not going to take it. We're, we're, isn't it funny that a drag queen saying we're not going to take it? By the way, I fucking can't stand Dee Snyder. But that's a different story. Um, so Americans have decided that they're not going to buy Bud Light. What, what other recourse do you have if you don't want to have this programming and propaganda pushed down your throat or stabbing you in your eyeballs like a thousand needles? No, you're going to do what most people would do. You would speak with your wallet. There's a, there's, there, there is a domino effect when you go down that path. And I'm not saying you should or you shouldn't, okay? But I've talked about this before. You're going to have people who distribute beer, who have their trucks, who work in the warehouses. They're going to lose their jobs. That's going to happen. They're going to lose their jobs. And guess what? The people that have set this shit up, it's exactly what they want. It's exactly what they want. Oh, we had to lay them off. Oh, you see how the two, two stories are connected? Yeah, we had to lay them off. You know, it was that damn protest. They just continued to buy Bud Light. They still have their, their, their beer route. Oh, well, we'll just hire somebody new because we got other beer that we distribute. Where the two are not these mutually exclusive events occurring disconnected from one. They're connected. What about Target? Target stock price goes down. People go to Target. Target says, well, we gotta, we gotta lay people off. We gotta close some stores. Target doesn't give a shit. But yet it's another hit to the economy. We can just go down the line. You know, and all these companies, they don't care right? They just don't care because they are playing by a new set of rules, terms, and conditions. And they don't give a shit about the American consumer or any of these hallowed institutions that Americans have bought, worked for, and supported over the years, whether it's Bud, Bud Light, Ford, I never really shot the target. I don't, uh. but to me, it was it was it was just sort of the the upper middle, the lower middle class alternative to Walmart. You may as well just go to fucking Walmart, right? Might even get a better price anyway. But this is what's happened now. They're weaponizing the American consumer. They don't care. They'll, they'll, and if you continue to buy their product, then what will happen? Then you're supporting. They're programming, they're advertising. It's like, oh, look, it's a big win for us. So it's a really hard place to be in a lot of ways. This is, you know, this is how smart, this is how smart these fuckers are. It's like, yeah, we'll turn them, we'll, we'll use them. We'll weaponize them against the system. 
and we'll help, we'll use them to help demolish their own industries or their own brands or their own companies. Well, I mean, let's face it, Budweiser has not been an American company for a while. They're part of what, uh, InBev, International Beverage Consortium. I think they're based out of Brazil, if I'm not mistaken. So, you know, the, 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 uh, the friendly little commercials with Ed McMahon and Bush Gardens and the Bush family, long gone, long gone. Um, but this is what they're doing now. And Americans are participating in the demise. They've given them all sledgehammers. It's like, go take out a couple walls here. But what are, what are Americans supposed to do? I mean, this is incredibly invasive. This is like, you know, red algae off, you know, invading like the coast of Florida or something or Jer the Jersey shores. This is what's happened. And I don't know really what the um, solution is, to be honest with you. I mean, I think the better solution would be for a company that might be, but it's really hard now to be outside the ESG shit. Like you're just not going to get loans. Like they will cut you off. And the, the way everything is wired in terms of business, it's all credit. You know, you'll, you'll take money in to buy things, materials, whatever. Right. And then you'll turn that around. And then in 90 days or 120 days, you pay it off. I mean, this is how business works. Business operates heavily on credit. And this is, this is what they figured out. We're going to get it right at the source. So if you want the money, you're going to have to play ball with us. When you, when you go in and you look at uh, the ESG stuff, it's crazy. Now, this is just from four days ago. And this is from uh, the Wall Street Journal. Corporate ESG requirements are about to ramp up. Oh, so we're just getting started here. The party is just getting started. So now as we have this influx, 300,000 new people coming into the country, they're going to put the screws to these corporations. Here's how CFOs can prepare. Finance chiefs should focus on three areas when building climate reporting systems. So this is the E part of ESG. Collecting data, tracking regulation, and coordinating with ESG raters. Oh, yeah. We're, I'm going to show you how many third-party companies and sites there are dedicated to ESG so that in real time, they can make sure that your company is not at risk. At risk of what? Not being environmental enough, not being social enough, not being governant enough. Companies are increasingly tasking finance chiefs with developing systems to address environmental, social, and governance issues in the face of coming federal climate disclosure rules. Do you see that? In the face of coming federal climate disclosure rules and pressure from 
shareholders, and employees. Chief financial officers need to create systems for collecting data to meet soon-to-be-unveiled new requirements from the Securities and Exchange Commission. Oh, so the SEC is involved now. While managing compliance costs, there's been a major sentiment shift in what people expect organizations to do, said Matthew Bell, Ernst & Young's climate change and sustainability leader. Nearly 80% of roughly 400 global investors surveyed by EY last year said companies should make investments that address ESG issues, even if doing so reduces profits in the short term. As a result, we have seen an increasing role that the CFOs are playing, particularly over the past 18 months. So CFOs control the books versus a CEO who controls the vision. Very different structures here. While it might sound tempting to centralize ESG responsibilities in the finance department, which already deals with data and reporting consultants, said that isn't practical given the scope of requirements and breadth of corporate interests. So you can just get a sense now that if you're a corporation, you're going to be choked, right? This would be the equivalent of all the shitty cars they made in the early 70s just to meet the requirements for air quality control. You had the shittiest cars with the catalytic converters and all the bullshit on the engines, four-cylinder engines, the worst period in automobile manufacturing history, right? This is what's happening. The governors, the governors on the engines so that the air quality can be better. And it's, you would think that maybe if you're an individual, you have an individual business, well, you might be able to skirt around this. Probably not. Right. They'll start with the big whales first, and then they'll just start working their way down, working their way down. And all of a sudden you'll get a bill one day from your power company. It'll be through the fucking roof. Right. You'll be like, what? You know, normally I pay, oh, I don't know, $500 a month in energy costs here. I'm, I'm sure I'm being on the low side. I'm just using the figure. And then your bill goes to $3,000 a month. And you're like, what the fuck? And they'll be like, well, the reason why your power is so high is because you're not compliant when it comes to the environmental standards now that are being applied by uh, the EPA and the government. What the fuck does that mean? Well, if you do these things, then you'll be able to meet some of those standards requirements. And as a result, your bill will be lower. Well, what do I have to do? Well, you have to hire less people. That's number one. What do you mean less people? Well, people take up more energy, more power. So you have to do with less people. And you get credits, by the way. You'll get an energy credit if you hire somebody who fits a certain profile. What profile is that? Well, somebody who just came to this country. Okay, so let me get this straight. I have to lay people off because they have too many of them. However, if I get people who are not from this country and hire them, I'll actually get a credit. My energy costs will be lower. Yes, that's right. Well, that makes no sense. 
Why should I do that? It's like one for one. Well, really, it's not one for one. These people count for more. What? Yeah, they, they count for more. Wrap your head around that. That's the new math. And this is what's going to happen. What else can I do? Well, besides that, you can install solar panels. What? Yeah, you can install some solar panels. Well, I don't need solar. Well, you can install that. You can install them, and that will bring your cost down. And they'll have a litany of checklists, right? So now the owner, to keep his business relatively profitable and keep the energy costs down, will have to meet all these requirements. So even though they may not be a Fortune 500 company, the trickle-down effect is coming. Let's go a little bit deeper here. What's unique about ESG is that the stakeholders within the business are not just finance, said Robert Mikowitz, chief executive of Visual Lease, a New Jersey-based cloud software maker that helps business manage and optimize their leased assets, including real estate. Instead, he said companies should create an internal task force that focuses on ESG requirements. Yeah, let's add, let's add some more payroll here for people who do absolutely nothing except for keep us out of some sort of violation. Such a task force needs to reach out to leaders across the entire business who will then share data with a centralized team, said Miklowitz, whose company recently established a climate reporting consulting service for clients. Imagine that. There's always people who will profit off of this bullshit. To help finance chiefs navigate the evolving regulatory landscape, CFO Journal spoke to consultants and executives for tips on managing the coming tide of the ESG-related regulations. You hear that? The coming tide. It's probably a fucking tsunami. Once a task force is established, having organizational support for data governance is key, said Tim Arndt, chief financial officer of San Francisco-based Prologis, a real estate investment trust that owns and invests in logistics facilities. This includes creating a system to capture, store, and interpret data, as well as working with the chief technology officer to automate the process, says Suzanne Thalander, vice president for global ESG at Prologis. So there are all these companies now, they're going to mushroom up to help manage your ESG experience, adding yet more cost onto your business. And who's going to be able to afford those costs? Fortune 500 companies. Eventually, it will trickle down to Main Street. And are they going to be able to afford this? No. One of the biggest challenges for many CFOs is figuring out how to establish a database line or decide which data to collect. Mitlewitz said ESG disclosures are qualitative and can be vague leading many companies to make bold claims to be net zero by a certain date. He said, but making sure data is accurate and can be tracked is important for figuring out forward-looking calculations. 
So what he's saying here is that you may be net zero by this point in time, but three years down the line, shit's going to change. So your net zero will be net positive or net negative or however they're viewing this thing. A common mistake is to focus on getting caught up on something the company had failed to track in the past, opting for a quick fix. However, investing in the right technology for long-term reporting needs to be a priority. Oh, do you think he has the right long-term technology? You bet your ass he does. EY's belt suggested looking into real-time performance tracking. The truth is it's really tough for organizations right now to be able to track a lot of these metrics in real time. He said he added that as more comprehensive disclosure systems are put in place, organizations can make real-time decisions rather than seen as a compliance burden. That means that these businesses are going to have AI monitoring their system 24 fucking seven, right? 24 seven. This is a nightmare. This is a fucking nightmare. Matthew Bell. Ernst Young's climate change and sustainability leader. Staying on top of the ever-changing rules and regulations is a must. Miklis said the SEC, the European Union's Corporate Sustainability Reporting Directive, blah, 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 fucking blah, blah, blah. The EU leads the pack in green regulation. Of course they do. It's a nightmare. Claire Scherer, finance chief of Smith's Group, a London-based engineering company. Be proactive with ESG raters. There are hundreds of ESG ratings firms that strive to provide fair and impartial assessments. Yeah, you want to look at them? Here we go. Diligent. ESG. Corporate Finance Institute. Broadridge. ESG, Environmental Social Governance, Watershed, Investopedia, Green Biz Group, Workiva. These are all businesses that are going to be competing to make sure that companies are in alignment with ESG, especially the environmental shit, right? It's all coming. S&P Global, McKinsey. Gartner. Oh, look at the little Venn diagram. Environmental, social, governance. And in the center is ESG. What a nice little Venn diagram. Oh, here's another little diagram. Environmental, social, and governance. Two pyramids pointing down. Inverting the energy. One pyramid pointing up. Oh, here's another little diagram. Ambiental, social, governica. And see how they look together and make a chain. They had all kinds of diagrams. Environmental, social, governance. Oh. Ladies and gentlemen, these are the new laws of the land right here. These are your new organizing principles. 
right here. Look at all these companies, ADEC, ESG Solutions, ISS, Corporate Solutions, Safar Shaw, LLP, Grangers.com, Thomson Reuters, Corn Ferry, Fannie Mae, International Finance Corporation, Inside Investment, blah, the blah, fucking blah. Brightest.io Vaco, Corporate Responsibility and ESG. ESG Impact Statement each year, Vaco and our family of brands. Look at that. KL Gates, Environmental Social Governance Services. So there's a whole industry of people that are just going to be fucking corporate tattletales. That's what they are, right? Think of the power these, these like, um, companies that are there to help you meet your ESG benchmarks. Think of all the power they're going to have. They're going to have so much fucking power. This is worse than what the unions brought during the uh, 30s and the 40s. 20s, 30s, and 40s, mostly 30s. They're going to have so much power. Like, like these ESG compliance groups are going to be an army of Karens. And how many people inside of a corporation are going to really want to sit down and meet with these people? Well, I guess if they've got their heads up their asses, they'll be happy to meet with them because, you know, they're the same mindset. But you bet your ass that there are some old school people that are still in business. They're going to look at this and say, I'm out. I'm out. Which means you're going to see a new wave of people retiring. Right. And what happens? Those positions will be filled and populated by people between the age of 27 and 40. All the millennials will come in and bring all of their wonderful ideas. And look, I, I love millennials. Don't get me wrong. Some great millennials out there. But let's be, just have a moment of honesty. Just a little moment of honesty here. Born under Pluto and Scorpio. They're here to burn the thing down. That's what they're here to do. They're here to, to, to talk disco inferno. And this thing is so far down the tracks now. You saw those businesses. It is so far down the tracks. So you have to ask the question, would this, would this have happened under Trump if Trump had been president? My answer to that would have been no, or would be no. But we'll never know because he's not president and it is happening. And that's why the um, election of 2020 and the steal really matters. It was, it was like, I remember being in a uh, talk with Del Bigtree. I think it was in uh, Tampa at a convention. And Del Bigtree gave a great speech. He was really, really good. And he talked about coming from a progressive background. And that the whole experience with vaccines changes politics. And 
I think he had a very honest assessment about Trump and the Republicans at the time. And he said, look, I, I'm not a huge Republican. But at the very least, this current president has put a couple fingers in the dike. I don't know. Is he talking about Eugene Carroll? I don't know. I'd like to have Eugene Carroll on as a, as a guest on the Friday forecast. That would be fucking nutty, right? I would do it. Anyway, he was basically saying, look, Trump's a speed bump, but he's the best. He's the best speed bump we have right now. This is coming from Del Big Tree. And there's a lot of truth to that. No matter how ineffective at a macro level he was, he was a speed bump. And they are accelerating this thing so fucking fast that by the time 2024 rolls around, I don't know if it's really going to matter all that much. I mean, they're, they are just strapping this thing into place as quickly as possible. And people will say, well, government is inefficient. No, it's not. It's only inefficient when it needs to be. When it has people that are running things and they're all in agreement, it's a fucking machine, right? It is a total machine. And that's what we're seeing here. We're seeing the convergence of essentially governance and business. There's a term for that. It's called fascism. And this version of fascism has a color attached to it, and that color is green. Come on over here. Let's go. Come on. Come on up here. Let's go. All right. Look who's here. The man. Yes, I know. How come you're not in your crown anymore? You don't take your crown anymore. No, I know. You don't take your crown. How come? No, it's over there. Let's get you in a better position so I can finish the show. Okay. Uh, I had a great two hours with Danny Katz last night. So I always enjoy my time with Danny and we really got into some, we got into astrology and we got into RFK Jr. Um, he's an interesting wild card, isn't he? RFK Jr. Comes out and takes on Roger Waters or Roger Waters position against apartheid Israel. Good move, RFK. I don't trust him. I don't. Tr I don't trust anybody except for Jasper. You know, I, I don't trust Peachy. It's just to earn my trust. Jasper's been here thirteen years. He's earned my trust. I trust you. Oh, look who's coming over here. Yes, yeah, so we got into the RFK thing, and, and I missed. I totally missed a, an interesting point. We were talking about his father, and I mentioned this with with Russ. And his father was theoretically killed by Sirhan Sirhan, who was a Palestinian, right? 
I mean, there's like some really dark irony that's associated with that that whole scenario. Oh, so you heard me talking about trust, didn't you? Come up here. Show the world. Show the world who you are. We're having a cat virgins here. Come on. Come on. Come on up here. Oh, come up here. There's, all right. God, she's a little diva. We're having a cat virgins. There she is. The peach. Yeah. Got the peach and Jasper together. Cat power, y'all. Uh, look, Peachy just showed up. Jasper just showed up. There was a time where I, I, I had no pets and I was footloose and fancy free. And um, Jasper belonged to my ex-wife along with Rosie and her fiance was allergic to cats. So it was either I take the cats and my kid to play with the cat still, or she would rehome them. So I, I took the kit, the, the cat, the cats for the kids. And then Peachy just showed up. So what are you gonna do? Right? I'm not like avidly like searching out cats. I am not that guy. Um anyway, check out check out the show with Danny, because it's a really cool show. Uh, I just I just love doing stuff with Danny. All right, where else do we want to go? I wanted to talk a little bit about um, Jason Whitlock's show last night. Jason Whitlock crossed the Rubicon. He crossed the Rubicon. Oh, David's got a new video out. What do I mean by crossing the Rubicon? Let's see if that show is still up. Let me show it to you. Barack and Michelle Obama transitioned America. What does Jason do? He gets into Michelle being a tranny. That's right. He plays the Joan Rivers video on and on and on and on. Like he crossed the Rubicon. You can see here where he gets into um, the whole parent trip, right? Like these people. She's a doctor. He was part of the head of the Obama Foundation. These are supposedly their kids. He gets into it. Jason was fucking fearless last night. If I were him, honestly, I'd make sure I had a bodyguard. Like, would you take these forces on at this level? You you better you better have some protection besides being a Christian. Because these people don't fucking play around. 
totally fearless show. If you have any interest in it, right? He's got the Joan Rivers clip. Which I think happens fairly early here. Let's see if I can find it. You guys are familiar with the clip. We've been here long before I'd see unscripted mono. Total unscripted. Royce White. I thought Royce hijacked the show last night. In my humble opinion. He went off into fucking Madame Blavatska and the Theosophists. And I think he hijacked the show. Anyway, that's just my two cents. I think we're good. I really just wanted to talk about the weaponization of the American consumer, tying it into what's going on with ESG. And this, we're, we're, we are in the midst of a major paradigm shift and change that most of us are going to have um, a difficult time with if we allow it to continue down this path. And honestly, I don't know what this, I don't think not buying Bud Light is going to matter a whole lot. Okay. James Lindsay thinks that these, this ESG stuff is all fertile ground for antitrust suits. And this ESG, this ESG shit should go to the courts. And I would agree with that. Although look who's running the courts. Right, so the system is pretty rigged here. But that said, I will I will return to the um, the maxim that with Pluto and Aquarius, not all things work out according to plan. So take solace in that. In the meantime, do your best to solidify your assets. Do your best to find a way to produce income independently, and. This is one I got to figure out. Do your best to do it independently of the internet at some point. So that's where we are. You do some of those things, stay in shape, uh, surround yourself with people that love and support and care about you and vice versa. Strengthen your spiritual life. You'll get through this time. And hopefully with, with um, a modicum of collateral damage. Because I know for a lot of you, you've already suffered enough. Whether it's through COVID and what happened to your jobs or your families or just in this realm in general, this realm is not an easy place to be. So I don't think there's any more merit in any more suffering. It's not going to make you a much better person because you suffer more. I don't think it's going to be closer to God because you suffer more. You know what does that? It's when you exalt creation. When you do your best, knowing that you are an instrument and a channel of God's mind, vision, and hand. And when you do that, with a degree of responsibility and integrity, you're walking a spiritual path. You don't have to go to church. You should be cognizant and aware of the fact 
that what you're doing is a representation of the most high. And when you do that, you don't want to have low standards, right? And there's a lot of different ways that you can do that. But I don't think suffering is going to bring you any closer to some kind of imminent realization. Frankly, you've all suffered enough, as far as I'm concerned. We all have. Oh, just a little bit more. Just a little bit more and you'll get closer. No. No. There is a different path to that kind of realization, as far as I'm concerned. All right. I'm out of here. Use your head in order to discern what's real. Your heart to say what's possible. Oh, right there. True Him Science. Go out and get some. TrueMScience.com. Spend $100 or more. Type in 15MINS and you get free goodies. Free goodies. And it's good for you too. All right. Take good care. Love you all. See you tomorrow. Bye for now.